Hey lovelies, welcome to the journey of self-love through self-care podcast. My name is Amy Mercado and I'm the owner and creator of my brand, The Mercado Method, where I teach a variety of online and in-person yogas, breath works, fitness classes, meditations, and a lot more. So if you're interested in trying any of the classes or wanting to explore what I offer, head over to my website or my YouTube link below and the details are there for you. This episode today is kindly sponsored by Plight Club, a brand whose mission is to change the attitude towards vulnerability to increase real human connection. This change starts by encouraging people to talk to each other and also enabling them with the tools to be able to express how they feel and connect on a deeper level. Making connection is all about trust and trust comes via gaining confidence. Confidence comes through trying something despite the uncomfortable feeling of venturing into the unknown. Plight Club's clothing range provides an opening for people to be vulnerable by breaking the ice of a conversation with their quirky, creative clothing designs. 50% of the profits from Plight Club clothing and coaching help fund activities to raise awareness of the power of vulnerability and suicide prevention. They enable people to face and embrace their emotions and break the ice into deeper, more nourishing convos. By wearing Plight Club, you open up deeper conversations with yourself and others. For more info on the brand or to buy online, head over to plightclub.co.uk. Now back to today's episode where I am joined by the amazing Farah, who is a professional listener. And we actually connected through Farah shared a little quote on Instagram and it opened up an opportunity for me to want to dive into that little quote. And then from there, we sort of connected a little bit and spoke. Um, and then I was like, I'd really like to get to know you a little bit more and open that space. So I've invited Farah on today to, if you'd like to share a little bit about yourself and perhaps what you're doing at the moment, and we can maybe unravel perhaps what was going on maybe before to what you're doing now and just see what blossoms from there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hi, everybody. And thank you so much, Amy, for connecting with me on Instagram. And you were like the first person who I connected with and having me here today. So um, my name is Farah. I'm 41 years old, which I think is important to say because I'm proud of being that age. And um, I am a professional listener, which actually means I'm trained as a coach. So I've probably coached around like hundreds, hundreds of people from primarily organizations. So large corporate organizations. And these people may be feeling a bit lost, um, unsure. They may be going through a really big, big transition, maybe becoming a parent. Um, and that's kind of my my work and in my life I'm a mother of two I have a son who's recently been diagnosed with autism and a daughter and I've been married for 15 years this year so that's kind of me on the surface so <laughs> is that sufficient Amy for an intro <laughs> that's amazing so what so you've coached you said hundreds of people through this so what sort of began your journey into coaching and was is this something you've always done or is this something that you felt called to change so I think 
as a young person, I was always more comfortable listening and observing rather than um, speaking. And I guess as I progressed in life, um, people would always, when they spent time, they say, oh, I feel so much better after speaking with you. I mean, I hardly spoke. It was just them speaking and me listening. And I never thought that it could be a job, like, a, like something that I could do. Um, and when I actually thought about coaching, I actually was quite turned off by it. Because when I thought about coaches, I saw these very loud men on a stage getting everyone really like geared up and possibly quite American in their in their persona. And that was just not me at all. But then um, an opportunity arose. So I worked in a large corporation and I was not somebody who was the traditional like archetype of success in this organization. Um, I really struggled actually in the corporate world to find a place. Um, but something happened and I really believe in energies and universe and I got offered to head up work around purpose. And I just had my second child. I had no idea what purpose was. And so I, I said, please, can I read about anything to do with purpose? And I read this book um, by Viktor Frankl, which is called Man's Search for Meaning. And it was about a psychiatrist um, in Austria, if anyone doesn't know, who'd started trying to understand why some people are happier than others. And what he and was beginning to uncover was that when people have a reason, they can get through any situation as long as they have a why, like a reason why they're doing something. And at that point, when his studying just started to take off, he was captured and put in a concentration camp and lost everything, his beloved wife, friends, family. And what actually enabled him to survive was by continuing his research and looking at people in the concentration camp and giving people or encouraging people to find a why, a purpose, even if it was to like keep the rats away or make sure everyone had shoelaces, those people were able to survive the awfulness of the conditions because they had that reason. And that book honestly changed my perspective and I got kind of obsessed with purpose and the role that I was doing in this large corporation in all honesty, it was really hard to translate a concept such as that into like a hard-nosed, very male-dominated, very academic environment. But um, I found real fulfillment in this subject matter and I started reading so much more about it and I started asking, can I train in this? Can I learn more? And I was able to train with some great authors from like the Harvard Business Review and the Authentic Leadership Institute and this is where I found an intersection of a subject and a, a mechanism through coaching that actually really spoke to me. So I just started literally doing any kind of coaching qualification that I could. Um, I studied with amazing people on the subject of purpose. And I started to package that 
and curate a kind of six week program that I would do with people to help them discover their purpose by putting together all of this reading and training that I'd done. And the transformation, Amy, that I would see with people who were in a corporate environment suddenly feel like they were not being seen or heard by me. I am not like some godlike person here. It was that they were give, being given an opportunity to see and hear themselves again. And this is a thing with purpose. It's actually you're most clear around your purpose at age seven. That's when you're you're most clear on your purpose. And when I talk about purpose, I define it in the intersect of, of three areas. And it's what you love doing, what you can't help be brilliant at, and what the world needs. In that intersection is, is where your purpose lies. So my work is really to help people re-earth who they were at seven years old before society, school, parents, cultural norms almost convinced them that they weren't that kind of how it started um and now I coach on purpose but many other topics as well so my, my company name is called coaching on purpose which does what it says on the tin but coaching can be so much wider as well it's interesting that you've explained it that way because like personally and I don't know how it kind of works for your clients it's almost like we get to this stage and we're like what on earth am I doing and like for me a big moment was when I turned 35 and I was like well if I'm not sure if I want to be a mum and I'm not really sure about continuing with what I'm doing but I don't know what else to do what's why am I even here why am I even here and I was at a point where purpose was something like, oh, you need a reason kind of to be here or a reason to get up or a reason to get out of bed. And I feel like for me, I don't know what it was like for when you was in the corporate, but I was sort of stuck in this loop of just making money and just ticking over and never feeling like I had enough money. Um, and But that was always for me, like this thing that I needed to survive. And now, purpose is something that I'm really starting to sit with and I find it I don't know how how do you because even though I love what I do how do you I don't know guide people to start to unpack maybe what is purpose to them yeah exactly I think the common myth Amy is that like I was saying before, that purpose is something you've got to find and like go and get. And it's this neat little package. You know, it, it's not that it's it's always been within you. That's my belief. That's my philosophy. So how I would work with people is I would, first of all, ask them to before our first session. Consider three times in their life. When they have changed their understanding of themselves. So this could be otherwise named, AKA, as the most core 
shaking times of your life. So it could have been breakup, job change, move, death, you know, birth of a child, like all of those things at once. Three times when you were shaken to your core. And when you've come through them, you have actually changed your understanding of yourself. So that would be the first set of stories that I would ask people to think about. And this isn't just about saying, oh, it was when I, I lost my dad or something. It's about pinpoint, pinpointing the exact moment as much as you can, like when that happened. So, you know, I've, had, I've worked with someone quite recently who was like when they took a drugs overdose and they ended up in hospital, they didn't even know how they got there. It was that exact moment. And when they phoned their boss and their boss was like, oh, so this means you won't be in on Monday. That was the exact moment for them. So, so do you see what I mean? It's not just to generalize, it's being really specific. And then the second set of circumstances or moments or stories that I ask people to think of is when have been the times in your life that have been the most delicious, i.e. when you have been your most aligned and true self and it has made an impact on others. That doesn't necessarily mean that that impact has been everyone clapping and cheering and you've got an award. It could have been, you know, for some people, it's like I did an amazing Christmas dinner and everyone was present and there and nourished like that was that was that person's moment so it, it that's what I'm saying when you've had those moments when you've been your truest self and you've had an impact on others so those six stories are the pre-work that I ask people to do before they come and work with me and then the first session is you know my job is to create a container that can hold what is about to be shared you know, that's the kind of mastery that I will always be learning how to do that better but it's about creating a safe non-judgment um reflective place that feels okay to share those things it just makes so much sense to be able to reflect on something like that and it feels like we're almost a society that Reflecting isn't something that a lot of us have really ever given ourselves space to do. Um, and then to have someone, I guess, just ask you something to go in, to then be able to hold that and then have someone share that with you it must be so powerful. So powerful and such a privilege, Amy, such a privilege. And people say to me, like, I haven't even shared this with like my partner or in that kind of concentrated way. Um, and I think then then what happens is kind of like we've unearthed stuff. Right. So you've unearthed things. And actually through that process, what's so interesting, Amy, is that other goals emerge. So even if they've come to me like I want to know what, what I'm doing, what my next job is, another goal will emerge around self-worth or family dynamics, or confidence. You know, all of the things you were talking in the beginning about that plight, you know, that their own journey, their own hero or heroine's journey starts to emerge. 
And I guess what I've learned through my own purpose exploration is I believe I've been blessed with a gift, which is to see the unseen and hear the unheard. And at the moment, I'm applying that gift through the mechanisms of coaching. So when I've tried to actually train people to coach others like this, this is where I think um, I bring something different. Everybody obviously has their own gifts, but I'm able to kind of see the constellations of the, the little stories that they've shared, see the themes that are emerging, pinpoint something really deep and special um, and magnificent about that person and play it back to them in, in a coherent way. And then what we start to do is to build out words or um, phrases that build up a purpose statement for them. So I was working with someone recently and their purpose statement was like to be the prince of privilege, to arbitrate um, opportunities from people who are seen compared to people who aren't. And that statement might not mean something to, to you and I, but to him, that can be his then North Star, whether he's doing like you yoga or nutrition or all of the amazing work that you do. It's like, those are only channels through which you are enacting and manifesting that purpose in that time. You know, so coaching is my mechanism at the moment, but you know, it may be different things in the future. So that's kind of how we how we start with the purpose work. But then it's like it's still a concept, you know, a phrase. How do you actually get it into something tangible? So then we work if, if you know, the purpose is the why we then move to the what, which is a vision. So what we do is I've created a really lovely it's kind of like a mood board in a plan. So it's about, look, if two years from now, if I'm living that statement, 50% of the time, how am I showing up in the world? And showing up was one of the phrases that, you know, you and I connected on. You know, what relationships are resourcing me? And what can I see, hear, feel, taste and see around me? So we almost kind of do that time travel, but for that particular time zone. And only 50% of your time, you're living that purpose. Because sometimes it can be really scary to think, I've got to change my life completely. Now I've re-unearthed who I was always destined to be. And then we kind of work backwards to kind of 30 days. What could I do like tomorrow? Just making it really small, really small. I think that's another myth about purpose that it's setting you up to kind of throw your whole existing life and relationships away. And that's not what I'm here for at all. It's about those small steps to begin to re-honor yourself in a way that you have perhaps forgotten to do, which is what brings, I believe, that feeling of emptiness and like, what am I doing? Yeah, that makes so much sense. I um, I feel that when I first started to look into purpose, I suddenly did what, because I'm, I'm such a, I was such a striver and a pusher and a go-getter that, all of a sudden I put all this pressure on myself to then find what my purpose was. 
And then I got totally overwhelmed and almost shut down by it because these things I was listening to was like, if your why doesn't make you cry, then you're not living your purpose. And I was like, I don't know what's strong enough to, to go out there. And it was almost like, I, I've sort of put it in a box and forgotten about it until I was literally reflecting today, driving back to that purpose doesn't have to be that massive thing that potentially you may go into. But for myself, I don't know if this is for any of your clients, it's almost that fear of actually being it and doing it and, and getting there as well. Because then that sort of suffocated me in a way that felt like, well, if I achieve that, then what's the point? And it's, it's like a new story is almost coming up to try and block me from taking another step into something that feels uncomfortable or unfamiliar. And again, putting more pressure on myself because it's something that I'm so familiar doing to then feeling it doesn't have to be this all or nothing approach. And for me, I, the biggest message that I'm getting is learn to actually be here and be part of this world enjoy your foods learn to sleep in a way that's nourishing for you be creative but then it's, it feels like this i'm almost wasting time and not fulfilling what a purpose should be because again that misconception of what purpose is but the way you've explained it, it's almost given me this Mm, yeah don't have to again very linear like a plus b will be c to create this yeah yeah you know amy it's it's so weird Uh, even today as we were preparing to kind of spend this time together and um you know i was telling you just before we we hit the record button like the the sense i get so much from your energy even electronically is around freedom freedom and if I had to just really just like honestly like just because we're here together if I had to guess where I think we'd get to if we did deep purpose work it would be something around being that freedom fighter for yourself and others I don't know how that that resonates with you I'd be interested to see in a minute but you see that is the second myth around purpose so the first one was that you have to find something. And once you've got it, you're like, yes, I've got it, got it. Got it. The second bit is um, it's for yourself first and then for others. So, you know, for me, I said, you know, mine is about seeing the unseen and unhearing the unheard for myself and others. So I need to give that to myself first. And if that means just being and just breathing, for months and just eating that's okay because how can I go out and give it to others at the highest level if I'm not giving it to myself at the highest level so I think that's the second myth um to really bust that it's it is for yourself first and I think that's what sits behind my philosophy we are all divine beings it's not about doing it's about being be first like you said be first for yourself be first for others doing is almost the the extra energy it's the being yeah that lands very well 
And I feel cause you said it was interesting when you said normally around the age of seven is where um, this would be developing. And when I've been reflecting back, particularly the last week, I was like, where did these behaviors start forming? Or when can I remember at the earliest of sabotage, self-attack, and it always comes up around the age of eight. And that's where I started to get confused around food. That's where um, I would, it's a lot of self-hate and I can, I can literally remember being so harsh on myself at such a young age. And I was like, was that, I wonder what could have nurtured that or what was potentially needed to allow me to, because before that, I, I can't remember too much, but I was a very creative person and there was a lot of stuff going on. But then from about the age of eight, it was almost like everything went inwards and was attacking on me. So I guess on reflection, I was never able to kind of be myself because I'd keep myself in my own prison and my own container of, of literally always being disappointed in myself. No. Yeah. And this is why kind of purpose work, <clears throat> it almost sits at an elevated place, Amy. And some people are just not in a place where you can do that work immediately. Because what sits behind that, I believe, and is my philosophy is three things. And it's number one, the relationship you have with yourself. Number two, the relationship you have with others. And then thirdly, the relationship you have with the world. And that's when you can start to explore purpose. So, you know, in answer to your question, you know, what could have happened? So I work, I go into schools actually at around year one, year two, and I get the, the children, the wonderful innocent children to write a letter to themselves at that age. And it, it's so amazing. I actually have one here. Just randomly, I didn't even create that. But um, because this is gold. This is gold. Um, you know, my name is this. And right now I am seven. And I want to set myself three goals. Be who I am. I have a right to be in this world. And don't care what people think. And I'm going to change the world with kindness. Oh. I think, I mean, such, sim such simple but powerful messages that will be read in how many years later and remind that individual of their, in of their essence. So that's one thing, capturing, capturing that innocence and that power at seven years old. But secondly, it is around... I think much greater education, Amy, around that relationship with yourself, relationship with others. And then you can do work around the world. We're so much focused on what are you going to be when you grow up? What's your job? How much money are you going to earn? Without actually giving ourselves the, the building blocks to actually have really high quality internal dialogue and really high quality like relationship dynamics. So, um, you know, what you were saying about that disappointed in myself, you know, the self-worth, the self-hate, you know, where does that come from? What are the kind of limiting beliefs? What's going on there? You know, there's always something that started that. 
so it's about what what was it that started that you know and that's where we always try and go go back to um to relieve or reframe that but that that healing can take many many years and can involve more than the coach is qualified to do you know but one of the most powerful things that I see come out with my clients, Amy, is when we look at relationship with others and it's around this parent adult child dynamic, which I honestly think should be taught in schools because I just think that has the power to unlock so much for people who are in unhealthy dynamics at home, life, work, even with themselves. So that, you know, you were talking about self-hate, that critical parent you know, that, that appears, you know, how can we have a more adult to adult inner dialogue? So I, I think that's the, that's the thing that really I feel could be a, a game changer, capturing the seven-year-old power, but also giving more education around, you know, those things, relationship with yourself, with others, then with the world. Do you feel, as, as a mum, I'm guessing the work that you've done now, if more people were able to do this kind of work for themselves, because we know it isn't quite in the education system at the moment, then that will be reflected or taught back by parents to their children so that the parents can be the mirror for that child I and do. do you feel that, or what do you feel that, I guess, parents could start doing to, first of all, focus maybe on themselves to be able to become that space for the children or the child? Yeah. So what I see as a, as a trend in becoming a parent and have been one for the last decade is a lot of misplaced emotions and expectations that have been through no fault of the parents own unheard, unseen, unhealed within themselves and therefore by osmosis become part of the environment and part of the narrative that the parent is being with the child so I would say the first thing, the biggest gift you can give your child is to learn to love, accept and forgive yourself. And just um, that thing around perfection and imperfection. I see so many parents put so much pressure on themselves to try to be everything and the child becomes the vehicle through which they can feel that sense of achievement. And success and like that it was all worth it and so I would say that's the first gift the second gift is learn through your children sometimes you can be so busy telling your children off doing this they are our biggest teachers we are the ones who have to learn from them um and the third one is we were talking about this just at the start is about listening you know, this is the thing, we're always 
with others and hearing them with the objective of responding, reacting. What would it be like just to listen to your child? Mm. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not perfect, even though I do this for a job, you know, it's just like, but to, to really just hear them and give space I say that's another really available gift is silence with your child. So many words, so much noise now, talking, 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 electronically, verbally. Again, just coming back to this being, this concept of just being. When your child can see you be comfortable in yourself, then they can also be comfortable in, in themselves. Um, I mean, and that's just honestly scratching the surface, Amy. You know, I, I'm part of the, 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 the problem and the generations that are, are doing this. So I'm definitely not someone who, who knows how to do this. I'm just trying to learn from what I'm seeing, which is mid 50 year old people, uh, or around that age who are having real mental problems, real breakdown of identity, of uh, like self-worth um, because they have just gone on and on and on doing, 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 doing. And suddenly something has forced them to be and it, they're so far away from themselves that it is a catastrophe. So I would say, just as a start, that's just what's kind of coming to me. Um, so what would you, because for, for me, it almost felt like I had a midlife crisis and I'm guessing that's what kind of is a way that sort of happens. And the lockdown, I feel like I had an early midlife crisis because of lockdown. And even though everything was great in the first one, all my stuff started to come up not even knowing what stuff was then for me to start beginning this journey and trying to not get stuck in the journey now of constantly needing to seek to to heal or to fix something but when people do start to have this knocking on their door what would be a practice or something that maybe they could start with because it can be so overwhelming because you start reading all the self-help books or you start wanting to sign up for every course or you just you're just literally i found for me it was just like what is this feeling i'm not used to feeling feelings what would be something maybe you would recommend for people or even just maybe if there is a particular maybe a go-to book or something that they can just just to start to bring a bit of peace through because you're almost like you're in the storm but getting into the eye of the storm so you can allow everything else to be maybe carnage around you so you can start coming back to a bit of peace so you can have a bit of clarity with okay i feel like something might need to shift or change what would you maybe recommend? Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind, Amy. And the first one is an emotional wheel. I don't know whether you've ever come across this. 
So um, this has been transformative for um, clients. So when you said you're in the eye of the storm and it's just like, I don't know how to feel these feelings. I think over the last decade in particular with emojis and texting, we have lost so much fluency in how we speak about emotions. So um, an emotional wheel, you can literally just Google it. It kind of looks like a, a colorful pizza and it's got three rings and in the middle it's, um, you know, developed like on a scientific basis, it's got the six basic emotions that humans feel like anger, sadness, happiness, um, peacefulness. I can't remember the rest, but they're in, they're there. And that I would say is such a great thing to do. You just go around and you just think, which one do I feel the most of? You might be feeling all of them, but it's like you check in like, okay, anger, no. Happy, no. Sad, something. Okay, yeah. I'm feeling sad. And then you can go out to the next ring, which basically gives you a little bit more detail and accuracy on that sadness. And then there's a final ring, which is even more precision on how you're feeling. So it might be sad, jealous, um, like worthless. Now, the cherry on top of this pizza is the because so it's like I could be feeling those things but what is it what is it it's because someone hasn't replied my text it's because I'm realizing that actually I've been contributing to a situation that I've been very comfortable being the blamer or you know I'm feeling really not connected to any of the people who I deem to be close to me just being really specific with that can give an enormous amount of relief to like this feeling of heaviness and chaos inside that can come from like some self-discovery work. So I would say using an emotional wheel and I can give a link to a really good one after the session if that's helpful for people. Um, and the book that actually I feel was is really great. It depends where you are kind of like on your journey of, of delving deep into this. One a book by Pema Chodron. It, it was basically just kind of the whole premise of letting go a complete relief. You know, and I guess really talking into this kind of like being rather than doing but just you don't have to strive. As you were saying, I was such a strive. You don't have to strive. And actually the, the, the pain and the yuckiness and the heaviness that you're experiencing is equally um, making the joy, the lightness and the happiness that can be on the other side. How can you know light if you haven't known dark? How can you know joy if you haven't known pain? And I think that was what was so tremendous about this book. It's just like, we're not meant to always be happy bunnies all the time. <laughs> the shadow is our friend and part of us as well. The rainbow is made up of dark and light and that is all of us and that is all okay. So I think that, you know, depending on where people are, that is a great resource. Um, 
because Pema Chodron is actually um, a, a, a Tibetan nun, but she wasn't always. Um, and, you know, her story was really beautiful. Like one day her husband came home and said, I'm leaving you. And it's again, that crisis point. And it was her journey from then on. And the second one, um, the second kind of resource is a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. And this is all about the parent, adult, child ego state. And this is honestly just, I think it's been, I've seen it be life-changing for people. Because if you don't know, and you're listening to this, um, you know, all of us have three ego states, a parent, an adult, and a child. And we can operate from any one of those ego states all the time. So even in a, the space of one conversation, we can flip from all of those different ego states. The optimum kind of healthy majority place to be is an adult to an adult ego state, which basically is the premise of I'm okay. I don't need to be looked after and I don't need to look after you. I don't need to judge you and you don't need to judge me because I am okay and you are okay. That is a really healthy kind of majority place to be. But what we are so used to getting into is parent states, which can be critical, like you should be doing this. That's the kind of key word for a critical parent or nurturing parent. I'll look after you. I'll do this for you. Oh, you're finding that hard. Let me let me take that away from you. And then the child state, which the parent state in, invites so you can be a parent and you invite the other person to almost step into that child state without knowing because they reciprocate one another. They feed off each other. So the child state can be a compliant child, which is, yes, mommy and daddy, I want to make you happy. I'll do anything. And the free child, which the free child is like, well, I just want to do this. And well, I'm not happy with this and can be very, very free with their emotions. But then the impact um of that is sometimes un, unaccounted for. Knowing that we can and we have control over what ego state we can be in in the majority of the time can also give a tremendous amount of relief, Amy, to people. If you're feeling out of control, like you can change these dynamics and all of us are um, susceptible to falling into all of the ego states so I think that that kind of resource gives a really concrete um, feeling of I, I am okay I am okay and I also can be more okay by making adjustments um, to the way I um, you know am with people so I would say those go those three things um, would be my kind of like immediate go to things. Yeah. And how. Because the thing that I feel sometimes I find is then I've been in those states and then I then it's like, again, that disappointment or you went back into that state again, you became the nurturer or you became the, the compliant or you became this and then it's like that shame that comes up that I am like well you're meant to be more conscious and more it's it, it it's trying to have that compassion but also not I find that I just feel really 
guilty or ashamed that I, I keep slipping back into these patterns. Yeah, me too, me too. And that's why I believe that that struggle is part of life and part of the everyday experience. I don't ever expect to be in a place where I'm not faced with those. But you know, I'm sure this is not news to you, but that that exercise of basically you are not your thoughts. And to just in that moment say, I'm noticing I'm having a thought that I am disappointed about myself. So just that separation, just that momentary thing can be hugely powerful. But even more so than that, I'm just going to grab a book, Amy, or it's not your money. It's it's actually not about money. It's about living from a place of abundance. And every morning I read this and sometimes the words come out as not barely a whisper because I feel so low or so sad and shameful. But I share it with anyone who isn't familiar with this because it's a really great place to start every new day which I think is just a fresh opportunity to be um so it says um allow me to give with complete ease and abundance knowing that you the divine you are the unlimited source of all let me be an easy open conduit for your prosperity and let me trust that all my own needs are always met in amazing ways and that it is safe to give freely as my heart guides. And equally, let me feel wildly open to receiving. May I know my own value, beauty and worthiness without question. And let me allow others the supreme pleasure of giving to me. May I feel worthy to receive in every possible way. Change me into one who can fully love, forgive and accept myself so I may carry your light without restriction. Let everything that needs to go, go. Let everything that needs to come, come. I am utterly your own. You are me. I am you. We are one. All is well. And this really helps me. This really helps me. I, I offer it to anyone who it may be helpful to. But placing myself in a in a space of abundance and knowing that I cannot control. That's the thing. I think this is another thing in our narrative, um, especially in the West, that we are in control. We can control when we're just not. And I think this is where Eastern traditions and philosophies um, you know, can teach a lot around we're simply not in control. So it's not all on us, whether you feel this or that, done this or that. Um, so, yeah, I'd really recommend this this book if you're interested in the topic of abundance. What um, is that how you would start like most of your days then? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I actually am such an introvert. I love being quiet and still, you know, it was really interesting when you said, Amy, about, you know, when you turned 35, that decision around to become a mother or not. So many people I work with now, that is a huge question that I am so happy is coming to light as a choice. 
I didn't give myself that choice. And, you know, I, you know, I don't feel ashamed to say that probably I'm not the average person who has the qualities to be a mum. You know, I wish I could wake up in the mornings and be quiet and still and do meditation, but I can't. My life is chaotic, filled with my son and my daughter's needs. um, And my husband is there really supportive. But I say this when all of that has happened already. So I feel like already very scattered, very, and it just brings me back. It brings me some peace. So yeah, that's how I do try to start because as a coach, um, the best gift that I can give my clients is how I show up. You know, when you're coaching, it's, it's not about you at all you are there in service. It's like I'm there to create a container and how good quality can my construction be if I'm all over the place? I'm not saying I'm perfect, but that's my work to make sure I can show up as the best container holder, space holder. So saying something like this, it does does help me um, and a big cup of tea. And toast with lots of marmalade, even though I like you struggle with food so much and always try and give up my bread and marmalade. But it always comes back and I just love it. So why should I deny myself that? That is what I'm looking into now. And just what are these rules that we are trying to tell ourselves that we can or cannot have this? And if that makes you feel grounded or just brings you that bit of like, you feel like you're giving yourself some love, then where is this rule that we shouldn't be having bread or we need to cut this out? And and just out of curiosity, like before you had the kids, what was your mornings like? What was you sort of? Yeah, I would just kind of wake up and I would, so I am actually Muslim. I'm in a smiley Muslim. So I would pray um spend some time in meditation and then you know that was before covid so and i was working in a big corporate so i'd be kind of going on a commute um but that's what kind of my life was for but like you said you had your midlife crisis at 35 with the second lockdown i feel that my kids invited me and gave me the opportunity to have that breakdown as painful as it was as messy as it was they made me face my stuff in inverted commas i guess by having the meditation and stuff in the morning it could keep you centered so you could i guess keep your shit together whereas the kids were like no we need you and you do not have time or space to do that sometimes i guess some of these practices if we're doing them and nothing's coming to ruffle our feathers, then we'll just keep being compliant and keep going. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's why, Amy, I believe everything happens as it was meant to. I was meant to have children. um, And my soul has stretched in ways that no other experience could have stretched it. I'm not saying that was like only positive like I'm saying in the most stretching ways for me like took me to my edge so 
that that has been a gift they have given me a gift and I will spend every day trying to be the best I can but the best I can also this is very important like I let my kids see that I need to go for a nap in the afternoons I let them see me cry I let them see me and my husband scream and shout at each other and then make up I let them know that all of these parts are are okay and I am, embrace them and it's still it's safe to feel all emotions I, I I just really reject this kind of template that we all have to be happy and smiley and high energy all the time so that's really important but yeah my kids definitely like you said ruffled the the feathers because up until that point I'd been able to control so much that's the thing that children really teach you you you're completely out of control my body my emotions my hormones predictability you know I love predictability and routine and life like bedtime just all of that went I was so shaken, so shaken, so agitated. Um, only when my children were born to actually learn who am I? Because I had no idea. I had no idea. When people are starting to wake up to this, who am I? I feel like the biggest thing for me personally was realizing I didn't trust myself. I couldn't trust decisions because I didn't know if I was ever making them from me because I didn't quite know myself or whether I was making them from a place of maybe fear or, um, or, or not even knowing why I was, was doing this. And it's almost like, what, what would you feel for people to start learning to, I guess, trust themselves just a little bit more or just be a little bit more curious about themselves yeah so um there is a lovely nerve called the vagus nerve you know about this which is actually from your third eye and it actually um goes to the gut and it was thought for a long time that actually it went from the head to the gut but actually it starts in the gut and goes to the head. So when people are starting to work with kind of trust and trusting themselves, I would always invite them to think about almost two centers of decision-making. One is the head and one is the gut. You know, it's like biology already knew that we would need an intuition you know, long before, you know, you and I were having this conversation. So what would your gut say to this decision? What would your head say? And almost just even separating that out can become a really useful exercise in just evaluating, like you said, where is this decision really coming from? Is it my head like oh what that person's going to say about this and oh well that person has done it so that would be a head place but my gut is actually telling me this would be really good for me so i think separating that and then you can even start to take it one level deeper which is my heart 
So what's my emotional decision-making center saying about this? What's my intellectual decision place saying about this? And what's my intuitive decision center saying about this? And you're almost then almost creating a little table of counsel for yourself, which is really lovely. And sometimes with clients, we'll do this in sessions and we'll actually put things like a teddy bear or a, a bottle or whatever and, and enact and embody the voices and opinions of those different, <laughs> different centers. And that can just be like hugely informative for the, the person um, to just kind of have a, a, a different perspective and point of view that are all coming from you, but you can see who's really in charge here. Mm. And is that, does, does that feel right? What if I just let this person be 1% more in charge? What does this, this one have to say, this heart center? What does this gut already know? You know, what if we told this head to just like turn down the volume a little bit? So it's just just playing around with those that table of counsel, I think, is really interesting. I guess the key question is then how do we bring them maybe into union to make a decision? But I think that's the that's the journey, I believe it's not about one alignment and it's like alignment tick got that now can move on it's a, a, a constant dynamic it's like making your food you know you need the different ingredients and sometimes it's like I want a bit more salt I want a bit more of this so it's also about sometimes a head decision you know is the right place to lean into see how that feels check in again in a, a day a week yeah, makes so much sense. What do you do for you now? That is something I know you read the abundance prayer. But what is something that you do now to to really ground you and anchor you when life is feeling a bit maybe chaotic or um, overwhelming? So I, I came off WhatsApp in 2021, and it was the best decision I made. Found WhatsApp to be very intrusive. Um, so I, that, that I'm really strict with social media. I only came onto Instagram this year. So um, I'm really careful with kind of that. I don't, my phone from seven o'clock in the evening, earlier if I can, will stay downstairs completely away from me. And I do not look at it until the next morning that is huge for me I love taking naps but it's not just about taking naps it's about the ritual I'll close the curtains put on my electric blanket I'll make a really nice kind of cup of tea or something like hobnob in the fridge um and I'll watch something really like light and easy um like I just finished watching well mania on netflix this is great for your listeners so it's basically about a woman who's working like crazy 
she has a health crisis and it's about all the wellness things that she tries. She's in Australia, desperate to get back to America. So she goes for colon cleanses and, you know, meditation and therapy. And it's just, it's so lovely. Um, so I'll watch something really light and then I will really give myself that gift of, of rest and sleep. That is my anchor. That is honestly the only place where I feel at peace. I will pray, but I've actually reduced my time going to the mosque itself because being around a lot of people and there is a lot of tendency to or temptation to gossip and talk about things. And I'm not yet resourced enough to make sure I can keep my energy clean. So I pray kind of when I can at home, I always keep a thusby with me. Always keep that. And I'm just kind of always reciting things. Films give me a lot of comfort and self-care, Amy. So I know when I've been at my lowest times, I will watch a film that is really sad about somebody else's journey and it makes me feel less alone, even if our journeys are totally different. Having a good cry is no substitute for, for that. I love crying. I love it. I love the things that I will say when I cry because I didn't even know I was feeling that. I will oftentimes, Amy, I have a park near me. I will go out and I will actually scream and I scare myself how loud I scream sometimes. And I also get scared because no one ever seems to notice or ask if I'm okay. Which <laughs> is like a whole different <laughs> topic, but I want to feel okay being raw and roaring. Like um, I'm a Leo, so I want to allow myself to roar. Um, like we were talking just before we hit record, saying yes to things. I'm so careful with my yeses and my sorries. I used to give them away for like, give them away. So, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So now my favorite line is, that sounds interesting, I'll think about it. Let me get back to you or just give me some time. And I and the other thing that I do is just be really, really honest with people. And what it's been great, like someone, lots of people are just like, oh, should we meet for a virtual catch up, this and that. And I find those really take energy from me. And I find the winter months particularly hard for my energy levels. So last two years, I started being really honest. This is really not a high energy season for me. So I will postpone our catch up to the springtime. And it's been amazing. People have felt honoured that I'm honest with them. And I feel free because I'm not telling a lie. Um, and the other thing is deadlines for me. Like when I go to big gatherings or any any kind of group events, I, I set myself and I set expectations with others that I'm going to leave at five. Going out in the evening is really hard for me. I don't know why, but it just is. I know it's so sometimes strange yeah I judge myself but now I just stop committing to things in the evening because I know the whole day I'll think about it regret it and the whole next day I also suffer for it so I just don't I just don't say yes and and lighting is really really important to me I have like very high sensory um things so in the evenings I'll really just dim the lights turn down the lights and that really helps me calm my nervous system down so yes <laughs> that is my very long list 
of self-care, you know, and it's ever evolving. Um, and I'm 100% not, not got this down. Like it's definitely not tick, move on. I am learning like everybody else and like my clients. It's interesting. It's very similar to some of the things that I am doing. Okay. And the, the late night thing is one of my rules. So when people invite me to something, normally I'm like, sorry, I don't do evenings unless it's online and it can be done before eight o'clock because again, it stimulates and having this almost feeling guilty or shameful, especially now where I'm not working the hours that I used to, because before that could at least be my excuse. Oh, I'm, I've got a really long day tomorrow. I don't want to be out late or blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, no, I just don't want to do that. It's still, even if, even though the days are getting lighter, I love having evenings now so much that similar to you, it will take something spectacular normally to get me out in an evening. Mm. And it goes against, like over Christmas, I was barely doing anything, but it goes against everything that's happening in the outside world. Mm. And I feel that maybe by us, even though we're feeling that way, it's showing others it's okay if you want to say no to, or, and something that I did actually go to something on Monday night, funnily enough, and it was meant to be on until 10 o'clock. And I was going through this whole turmoil of, you know, it's going to be late by the time you get back. But I thought, you know, you're only working like one or two hours Tuesday and you do sleep now. And even when I was there by nine o'clock, my body was, I want to get out of here. So I left and I almost felt bad leaving the group. But when I got home, I knew it. I got into that bath and I was like, you 100%, 1 billion percent did the exact right thing this time. And I don't want to go out late to them things anymore unless I pick them. So it, it's it's navigating through that and, and stepping into that discomfort. But I feel that it's about time that we start showing up for ourselves in a way that is, I read something the other day, it was like, when your no feels like a yes, then that's when you know that <laughs> you're like, when your no feels like a yes. And I was like, yes, my no feels like a yes. <laughs> that's when you know something's aligning. And I was yeah. like, I loved that. Mm, yeah. So now I've become more skilled in using this community within myself. That I can feel it talking to me as soon as I'm ready to leave somewhere. And so it's like, I could either make everybody else happy by staying. And honestly, the biggest thing I've learned is that everyone is obsessed with themselves. Everyone is obsessed. They don't care. No one cares. You can stay, but it really, we need to downgrade how much we are the center of other people's universes because we're just not. Other pe people are concerned primarily with them, their own selves. So you have to honor yourself. So yeah, my inner community are always talking about, I'm always the first one to leave things. And now I've become much more comfortable with it. And just like, you know, just had a lovely evening. Thank you everybody for your company. And I wish you all a, a great rest of time. Bye. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's about time that we started just being it. Yeah. And, and, and this is what I'm open to now is, you know, life as I finally am learning is ever changing and I am ever changing. So I'm not saying never, but right now, while I get into certain routines and learning to look after myself, that it is a priority that I don't want to be out late. 
And if I want to stay up late, then that might be me choosing to doing something or or getting into something because I'm and I'm conscious that I'm doing it, but it's my choice, but I'm in the comfort of my own space. Exactly. Exactly. Your your own internal community is having that meeting and deciding, and that's honoring, I believe, yourself at the highest level. Is there anything else you would like to add for the listeners or anything else you would like to share today? I think that just kind of honoring one's whole self is a real invitation I would just love to share and drive messaging around um, the darkness as well as the light, you know, the, the shadow as well as the halo, the rainbow is, you know, all those different colours. Just, I guess, the invitation I would love to leave with is just how could you honour yourself 1% more today? Love that. Thank you so much, Amy. It's honestly like so really really so exciting for me to be invited here and um I just wanted to say to all of your listeners like thank you because you bring such freedom and energy um to (laughs) even the electronic space that we share and I feel very blessed to have been connected with you so thank you for the freedom that you invoke and invite in others even when you don't know that you are and I feel so honoured that you made space and time for me today. So thank you so much. You. And what I'll do is I'll pop your Instagram handle and your website details below for the listeners if they want to get in touch or check out any of your amazing Instagram posts because these posts really do open up inquiry and reflection. And that is in turn inviting freedom into all of us. Mm. So I really appreciate your work. Thank you. Thank you. You too, Amy. And all the very best to everyone listening. Speak to you soon. Bye.